few years ago, there was a comedian who hosted a satirical news program on Comedy Central. The show included a regular segment called Better Know a District, where this comedian would go and interview the U.S. representative from whichever house district was the focus for that particular segment. On one evening, the uh, focus was Georgia's 8th district. Toward the end of that segment, the comedian asked this representative about legislation he was co-sponsoring that would require the Ten Commandments to be hung publicly in the House of Representatives, in the Senate, and I also uh, think in uh, federal courthouses. When he was asked why he was co-sponsoring this particular bill, the representative replied that the commandments were, quote, important for people to understand and respect, and that without them, quote, we might lose our way. The comedian then asked the representative to name the Ten Commandments that he had just said were important for people to understand and respect. Clearly, a deer in headlights, the representative clarified that he was actually being asked to recite the Ten Commandments that he just said were important for people to understand and respect. After sputtering to name just three, the representative acknowledged that he did not know the other seven. Our reading from Deuteronomy is one of two places where the Ten Commandments appear in Scripture. Besides Deuteronomy 5, a slightly different version appears in Exodus 20, which is curious because Moses is the source of both versions. I'd invite you uh, to read, I know somebody already did, I'd invite you to read Deuteronomy 5 and Exodus 20 uh, to see if you can find the key difference between the two. And I'll give you a hint, it has to do with the Sabbath. But I'm inviting you to do that later, not right now. But it is important for us to know that Deuteronomy 5 is the second recital of the Ten Commandments, occurring some 40 years after the original giving of the Ten Commandments that is described in Exodus 20 as occurring at Mount Sinai, which is also called Horeb. Deutero means second. Nomos means law, hence Deuteronomy, or second telling of the law. So it has been 40 years since God liberated the, the Hebrew people from slavery, and now they're about to cross over the Jordan and enter into the promised land. Moses uses this moment to remind the people of their covenant, the covenant that God 
had made with them to be a set-apart people. And then, just a few verses after re-reciting the Ten Commandments, in chapter 6, verses 6 and 7, Moses says this, These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them upon your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Moses is saying that these Ten Commandments are important for people to understand and respect and that without them, we might lose our way. So what about this idea of hanging the Ten Commandments in public spaces? Some see the lack of and even the removal of such faith-based displays as an outright attack on religion and values. Also arguing that such public displays are about preserving our national history a history that cannot be unbound from the Judeo-Christian moorings upon which this nation was founded. Others say that we've got to maintain the separation of church and state. Indeed, many Christians believe that such a separation is necessary so that a rigid religious ideology does not become a tool for control as it is in other theocratic regimes. And friends, make no mistake, the rising tide of Christian nationalism in our country would like to see the U.S. as a theocratic regime. But where do these commandments actually belong in our lives as people of faith. We might think of the Ten Commandments as two framed pictures. The Protestant reformer, John Calvin, wrote, God has so divided his law into two parts, which contain the whole of righteousness, as to assign the first part to those duties of religion which particularly concern the worship of God's majesty. And the second, to those duties of love that have to do with relations between humankind. So the first four commandments have to do with worship and adoration. That's picture one. And the last six commandments have to do with how we love one another. Notice it's not an emotion. It's rather how we behave in respect to others. That's picture two. And Jesus certainly had both frames in mind when he said that the greatest commandment was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. Looking at the first four commandments, we find directives to have No other God except the Lord, to avoid idolatry, to refrain 
from misusing the name of God and to observe the Sabbath. These are simple and straightforward, forming a clear picture of how we might have a right relationship with God. Though none of these four are negative, they do challenge us, especially when we find ourselves bowing down to the idols of Wall Street or Hollywood or cable news pundits or an extreme political ideology. Indeed, these commandments in our time are quite countercultural particularly as we struggle to maintain Sabbath in a fast-paced, over-programmed, ever-accelerating 21st century culture. But remember, these commandments are meant to help us, not to hurt us. We tap into a source of energy and security when we Take time to worship God rather than the fleeting powers of this world. And we lead healthier, saner lives when we take time for rest rather than working 24-7. So again, this invitation to pay attention to God is to make us stronger, not weaker. The same can be said of the remaining six commandments. Though we tend to bristle at any perceived limitation on our human freedom. I I wonder if you've read uh, what really happened when Moses came down from Mount Sinai. Moses was pretty tired after a long day of negotiating with God. And the people were really anxious about what God had to say. And so Moses said, I've got some good news and I've got some bad news. The good news is I got him down to just 10 commandments. The bad news is he will not budge on the adultery issue. But even joking about the adultery issue we do know the damage that adultery causes to marriages, to families, to communities. I've seen it a couple times in churches. Jesus even strengthened that particular commandment when he said that we look at somebody uh, other than our partner with lust, we are violating that commandment. Likewise, I I think we might... uh, Imagine that this thou shalt not covet commandment is sort of an old-fashioned notion. But then we realize how easily we can be eaten up with envy when we see people who seem to have easier lives than we do. We sometimes talk about breaking the commandments, but it's probably more accurate to say we break ourselves, (laughs) against the commandments when we, when we don't follow them. So no, I do not think our nation is diminished when the Ten Commandments are restricted from public display. But we 
we are diminished, when our lives are devoid of the spirit of the Ten Commandments, when they are not written upon our hearts. I outlined all Ten Commandments a little bit differently in my sermon, but for the sake of time, I'm going to skip over that. You can get a copy of the sermon if you want to, to look at that on your way out the door. But I simply want to end saying that it is wise for us to put these Ten Commandments and Jesus's greatest commandment, and certainly for Christians, the Beatitudes, where they belong, prominently posted in our personal lives. They are a reliable guide for our moral choices and for guiding our, our, our daily words and deeds. This week, as I was poking around various rooms in the facility, um, imagining what they might be used for in the future, I've done that a few times, thinking and praying over these certain spaces in our facility that are not as well used as they used to be. But I found a sticky note uh, above the old youth director's office desk. And it was a quote from a sermon that was preached by Pastor Hillary. And this is what it said. Make it so that people can't name you without naming the God that you serve. When we use the commandments, when we use the greatest commandment, when we use the Beatitudes, to shape our lives, I suspect that people will know exactly the God that we serve without us ever having to say so, and certainly without demanding that these be posted in any other public place. Amen.